Who knows how it happened? Uh, Maybe a coyote crawled under the fence. Hoots is male. He's a boy, and he's pregnant. Pregnant. Show me a coyote. I'm Joe. Brienne. I'm Cheryl. <laughs> we should have like <laughs> organized that. We could have done it together. Yeah. And we're girls. <laughs> <laughs> we're the domestic partners of the host of the show. Yeah. <laughs> Tonight is couples night or a double date night on podcast. <laughs> the worst double date ever. The worst? Because we didn't actually hang out and we just watched a shitty pilot. <laughs> No, we're definitely not. I think none of us are in the same room. No, none of us are in the same room. (laughs) This is my preferred double date, quite honestly. It's just separate (laughs) rooms in general. That's true. (laughs) It's better to uh, not have to actually smell each other. No, not after all the caviar and vodka we've drank. (laughs) (laughs) Just slurping down caviar through a straw like a disgusting animal. So that would be my first question. So we we watched Area 57. What What was everybody's first, you know, one word review good bad promising promising yeah i agree it was promising but because it was lacking in these small details it was just kind of boring and fell flat like the first time i watched it i was like this is dumb and then like i watched it again in a couple more times and it got a little bit better and i saw the potential in it but the first time i was just really bored yeah i feel of the uh pilots that i've watched so far doing this uh podcast this was the first one where i felt like i needed more when it was over i definitely could have watched at least a couple more episodes of this absolutely and it did need more fleshing out which obviously would have happened in the series yeah i think that first impression of it i was like man this is giving me like mad nbc vibes and then it ends up it was a pilot for nbc yeah Yeah. when it ended i feel like it was probably this or like the good place and they were like ah we'll just go with that one we're not gonna we're not gonna mess with this but maybe if they would have aimed for like a lesser channel Perhaps a fox. You are watching Fox. We are watching Fox. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, put this right up next to uh, American Dad. This was what, 2007 or 8? So, would that have been the same era that like Parks and Rec started? Oh, yeah. 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 I did no research because I was like, oh, I bet Stuart will do all the research for us. <laughs> I feel like he'll default to that. I did. Actually, speaking of nerdy, um, one of the – there wasn't too much about it that I found online. I'm not a digger like you guys uh, are, but there was one article that just said uh, – listed it under sci-fi shows that were too geeky to ever air. And I thought that was a really funny title, but I didn't actually feel that way about this. I thought like it really could have been something. Yeah. But I mean, I was obviously very interested <laughs> in it because fucking Paul Rubens is a fucking alien. And that yeah. is, that's like all I need to hear. Like you sold me, you had me. Yeah, absolutely. And especially after he was the voice in uh, the flight of the navigator, like it was super interesting to me because, you know, and Pee Wee's had, you know, aliens on the Pee Wee Herman show. And I was just really curious what his take on an alien was going to be. I was like, you can't lose with fucking Pee Wee Herman as a, yeah, it turns out he's a snarky <laughs> jerk as an alien. Yeah, and it, that was great. I thought that was great. The best part, I mean, the beginning kind of lost me. There, there are parts that I wasn't really into, like 
just like when he's like entering the center where they're keeping the aliens and like there's like a voice over where he's reading the letter. Colonel Isaac, welcome to the research facility at Bride Lake, Nevada. You will now command the unit responsible for the care and analysis of ECA 653, the designation assigned to an extraterrestrial living here in captivity. Extraterrestrial? And I, yeah, I was just like, this is low budget. Like, I'm not into this. It's not funny. It should be funny, but it's not. But then as soon as you step into the scene with Paul Rubens, the first thing you hear is him slurping and burping. So you don't even see him. You do not even see him. And he's already obnoxious. (laughs) So before they even show him, he's just sounding gross. And I was like, all right, here we go. I love Matthew Lillard, honestly. That's like I always sold when I saw him. I, I like seeing his late career stuff. That was another thing was that Matthew Lillard was in Twin Peaks, The Return. Did you see him in that? Yeah, I did. And he was a military guy in that too, right? Or no? He was not, but he was like a conspiracy theorist who was very into the paranormal. And he had like a blog about like all these paranormal things that were pretty much, you know, finding out about the mysteries of the universe. But it was amazing because there was actually like a, a 1990s type website <laughs> and you could go to it and it was very, very 90s blog about like aliens and stuff. And that was like absolutely amazing. So I was kind of like had that hope. Oh my gosh, like Matthew Lillard, aliens and like Paul Rubens. Are you kidding me? This can go nowhere, but someplace amazing and i was definitely like let down a little bit but it did have potential i feel like the only reason why anybody would watch this is because it has paul rubens in it and uh that's one of the reasons why brianne wanted to do this one that's why she's on the podcast because we're both super huge Wee herman fans something that we bonded over yeah i think it's a big reason why i enjoyed it <laughs> as well i don't know i feel like the cast is pretty strong though it's goofy enough i don't know if there would have been any like true depth to these guys if they would have gotten a bigger run but i don't know how many matthew lillard super fans there are that are like completionists <laughs> that need to see everything he's been in. <laughs> just sitting around watching all the scooby-doos shouldn't be <laughs> oh man i feel like that's where it all went downhill for him too right so the place that most people would know matthew lillard from is that he was shaggy and scooby-doo but if you're my age and we're really into punk rock the place where you know yeah. uh, matthew lillard from is from slc punk yeah. oh yeah yeah he's great yeah he's absolutely great if If you haven't seen that movie, that's a movie I would really recommend. It's a movie that changes with age. If you watch it when you're a teenager, you feel one way, and definitely if you revisit it in your 30s. Oh god, I haven't tried it yet. It definitely has a completely, completely different message about the (laughs) punk rock lifestyle. Yeah, I was a young punk in Utah when that came out. Oh wow. So you were the SLC punk. Not really, like I guess I was punk adjacent. I was always (laughs) a poser. Posers were people that looked like punks, but they did it for fashion. out with like it was a pretty accurate concept of living in utah even though it was the 90s and not the 80s i feel like a lot of the things they talked about were very similar to what my experience growing up was like going to evanston buying regular kegs of beer do they have police officers working at the liquor store yeah i mean i don't know if it's changed it's been a few years since i've lived there but yeah they usually have like an actual like armed police officer like on duty and it's very like regulated like i mean texas is somewhat similar i guess but like utah is a little more 
harsh about it. Like, you can't get regular point beer except for at the liquor store. Like, everything else will be the 3.2 if you go to, like, a gas station or... In the movie, I remember they have to, like, go in and and tell the guy exactly what kind of beer that they want. And then it, like, comes out on a little... I think you're thinking of Strange Beer, dude. <laughs> yeah. Take off, you hoser. Oh, I... All right. <laughs> <laughs> There's, like, a conveyor belt contraption in, uh, in Canada. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so it might be good to put this show into context for Pee Wee history. So... He had the infamous incident exposure arrest in 1991, <laughs> but Pee-wee's playoffs had already been canceled, and he last appeared as Pee-wee in 1992. And most of the 90s, he laid low. He, he did no interviews at all. He had cameos and things, like he was in Batman Returns as the father of the penguin, but he doesn't even speak in it. And then he just kind of pops up in little cameo roles. And then in 1999, he was in Mystery Men. Somebody! The Finkter? Is that who he plays? Great greatness thereof. What a great movie. It's, it's, some, it's something gross. I believe that is his name. <laughs> What's the spleen? He's cursed by a gypsy to to always be farting. Well, in 1999, he did an interview on Jay Leno, which I remember was a huge deal for me. Because he, he did it as himself, and he'd never done an interview as Paul Rubens. It was kind of a milquetoast, boring interview. And, you know, I think with everything with Pee Wee, you just want him to be doing Pee Wee. <laughs> Fans do, for sure. I think that's the main vein is it's like, Paul Rubens, but he's not Pee Wee. Well, what do I, like, can he just do it? Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Wait, what's, what's that one where he's like a drug dealer with like Johnny Depp? Whoa. Yeah. It's like a lesser boogie nights, I guess, would probably be. Well, it's the basic drug gangster plot. You know, they're wildly successful and then it all falls apart. Oh, come on. If you think I believe any of that mumbo jumbo, then you don't know Jack. He was on a game show called You Don't Know Jack. And it's really good. It only lasted one season, but the entire thing is up on YouTube, so anybody can watch it. That's the only thing of that time that I would recommend of Pee-wee, other than Mystery Men. Some. And then Pee-wee's Playhouse started showing up on reruns on TV. It would just kind of pop up. It was on Adult Swim for a little while. And it was like, Adult Swim at the time was kind of airing things ironically. You know, it was like a joke, almost, or like tongue-in-cheek. Oh, that's why they've been airing Family Guy all these years. It's, it's actually <laughs> a joke that I'm not in on. God, I wish. This was back when Adult Swim was actually, like, innovative and funny and not just reruns from stuff that was on Fox at one point. Yeah, a lot of really weird shit, like Harvey Birdman. Yes. Like, I can remember in college, everybody getting their brain melted by... Adult Swim on Sunday night. <laughs> yeah, we must be around the same age that clocks, that tracks a lot of... I think y'all are the exact same <laughs> age, actually. I'm 38. I'm 38, too. Alright, so we're all on the same age. Like, home movies was such a res oh, revelation God. to me, and, like, Aqua Teen, like, when that all first rolled out, that was, like... Yeah, and C-Lab 2021. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um. So then, oh, I forgot to mention, in 1992, his last appearance was at uh, the Grand Old Opry uh, and a tribute to Minnie Pearl. <laughs> and then he, amazing. he didn't do the character again until 2006. He just started going to conventions and then he appeared at an award show in June of 2007 on TV. It was the first TV appearance since 1992. So this award show happened in June 2007. I could not figure out when this pilot aired. I think this pilot did air on TV. But I can't tell if it was before or after this. But 
my theory is if this pilot had gone forward, we would not have gotten the Pee Wee revival that happened because oh. the, the Broadway show was in 2010. It probably took two or three years for that. So, I mean, he just like all of a sudden after 2007, he was just everywhere. He was on game shows. He was on YouTube. There's a video that he did about the iPad because the iPad was brand new. That's really great. That takes place in Pee Wee's Playhouse. Um so I don't remember that. That sounds awesome. It is. It's really awesome because it's like very tongue in cheek, adult oriented, just like the Broadway show was. This thing <laughs> it's my new iPad. <laughs> what, 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 what's an iPad? The iPad is Apple's latest revolutionary device. The consensus on the internet is that its name closely resembles a popular brand of sanitary napkins. What, 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 what's a sanitary napkin? Duh, honky. It's a napkin that's super clean. <laughs> I thought it was a tampon. Tampa is over here. I really like the Broadway show. I wasn't, I think Pee Wee's Big Holiday wasn't that great. Have, have y'all seen that? I'm definitely not as big of a Pee Wee fan as y'all seem to be. <laughs> but like, I definitely thought, I liked it. But like, again, I, I'm not like super precious about the original film. So like, my opinion may be a little bit like off. It reminded me of like those Muppet reboots where I'm all like, okay, like I feel this. Like they're they're taking you know the original concept and adapting it to, for like a current age, and it, it doesn't feel bad. And all that Joe Mangalomera is that how you say Joe Manganiello? Where they were best friends. Yeah, I liked I liked I that love movie that. quite a bit, and I did love Joe Manganiello. Uh, also, uh, Big Dick Rick from uh, Magic Mike. Brianne. I don't know anything about Magic Mike. No, I'm joking. Um, uh, <laughs> no, it was okay. It, it didn't blow my mind or anything. But, you know, as a, as a Pee-wee fan, I'll probably watch anything with Paul Rubens in it as Pee-wee. I kind of felt like it was a rehash of Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Like, it was just another road yeah. trip movie. I had read about other scripts that he was doing, which sounded way more interesting. Like, there was one where he becomes a singer and becomes a huge star and turns into a jerk and turns on all his friends and i was like no that's that's the peewee movie that one hasn't been done yet he's so good at being a jerk oh like the peewee version of the movie rockstar starring uh starring mark Wahlberg. yeah basically he's like a lounge singer and it would be very obviously dubbed with somebody else when he's singing and it would just be actually now i think about it the beginning of big top peewee he had there's a dream sequence where he is a singer and then he has to sneak out the back dressed as abraham lincoln and <laughs> people notice that it's really him and chase him down um and he escapes by leaping into the air and soaring away it's the only part of that movie that i would really recommend watching the rest of that movie is really painful and boring are we talking about area 57 like at all at this point or just like peewee welcome to the peewee podcast that's cool Oh, no, no, I'm into you it. just find something Paul Rubens was in as an excuse to talk about <laughs> Pee-wee for two and a half hours. Yay! <laughs> nice. So what's the deal with just kind of the vague racism of addressing the alien as different ethnic groups? Oh, yeah. boy. General Keller, but they just call him General. Bruce McGill. Who's a, a prolific actor. He's been working since the 70s and is still working. And he also uh, did voiceover for a lot of Trump ads Oh, twenty six. 16. He played a really annoying character on MacGyver. Did you guys ever watch MacGyver? 
No, never. Oh, yeah. I don't remember him. So he played the shitty pilot friend of MacGyver's named Jack Dalton. Who, he was like a con man, and he would, had this really toxic relationship with MacGyver. <laughs> and he would show up and be in, like, some fucking jam and would lie to MacGyver about what the real problem is. MacGyver would agree to help him, and he would say something like, oh, but we're friends, so you, and you always help your friends or whatever. And then, you know, by the middle of the episode, they're tied up or in a cage or something. And it's all Jack's fault for lying. That's toxic as hell. MacGyver needs to get out of that situation. He can make any tool he needs except the tools to have productive relationships. (laughs) (laughs) MacGyver therapy is the tool for that. (laughs) He was also on Star Trek, but this is luckily our only Star Trek person in this show. He was the captain uh, of the timeship relativity from the 29th century. And in the episode, he gets arrested for crimes he's going to commit in the future. Don't be absurd. I have no wish to sabotage Voyager. Not yet. I'm sorry, sir. I'm taking command of this vessel. And I'm relieving you of duty for crimes you're going to commit. I haven't done anything. <laughs> Boo! Bummer. Is that in Deep Space Nine? Voyager. Voyager. Yeah, it's actually a really good episode, and he's the second person to play Captain Braxton. There was another person playing him in an earlier episode. Oh, so this is like a Darwin. Dilbert. From... Darren. Darwood. Dabo. Donald. Darwin. Darren. From Bewitched. <laughs> Darren. Dilbert. So Matthew Lillard and Jane Lynch have both never been in a Star Trek episode? No. That's I find that kind of surprising. They might have just missed the boat. Oh, wow. Not even on Enterprise or whatever this new one is that everyone's mad about? No, not that I know of. I feel like Jane Lynch is another one of those where I just see her in little things everywhere yeah but i didn't actually know her name until i looked it up but i think she's like one of the better parts of this because she's so deadpan and everything she's saying is just hilarious you know she's explaining the layout of area 57 and all this and it's just it's really really funny (laughs) but she's just so quick and deadpan about it that she is absolutely serious it's just unbelievable to listen to it morning colonel major irene maloof your mission support squadron executive and this is your welcome pack You'll find a key card, map of the camp, laundry room tokens, mess hall menu, as well as a pamphlet that explains our hazardous um, substances. You wouldn't happen to know what size gas mask you wear. And uh, extraterrestrial. Uh-huh. That's where they used to test the atomic bombs. <laughs> Just imagine. She is always playing the same character, but, like, in various degrees of mean. Yeah. Like, in Party Down, she's not mean. <laughs> she's very, like, dippy, but, like, it's still kind of the same person, and I kind of respect that in a weird way. <laughs> she's kind of like uh, the protocol person on the show. Okay, so Matthew Lillard shows up, and nobody tells him where he's going. He shows up at this place, and then he's handed the... He thinks he's going somewhere else, so he's brought there under false pretenses. He's just dumped in the middle of the the fort. And then that's the first person he meets is Jane Lynch, who is like handing him his orders. Yeah, he's finding out in the car, like on the way, what's going on by reading us the introduction to the show. <laughs> Voiceover. It's... And letting it kind of go go quicker which i kind of appreciate so this is the press release for the show taking on the challenge of a classified mission in a top secret location is hard enough throw in a dysfunctional crew that despises you and an alien that makes fun of you and you've got one bizarre challenge on your hand so what if colonel stephen isaac's new career move turns out to be more punishment than promotion he's ready for it (laughs) foul extraterrestrial bodily emissions 
no problem. Random objects falling from the sky, he's got it covered. Dirty looks and dirtier rumors, no worries. The laughs are all in a day's work in this unique comedy. God, I hate press releases. Yeah, that's awful. (laughs) Right? Okay, they should fire that copywriter. That's the reason the show didn't get picked up. If I read that, I'd be like, fuck this. I'm out. Yeah, just crumple it up and throw it in the trash. (laughs) So what did they get wrong? I think it's correct. It's just like the overemphasis. Also, like, there's obviously no arc, right? They're like, we're only doing the pilot. Yeah. We're not going to produce any more unless we get picked up which is fine because i'm i'm not an actor so i don't really know how the process works for pilot seasons but you know it's like why waste your time if it's not going to get picked up like why put anything else into it so it's like making it vague enough (laughs) to like explain this first episode that is all about caviar flatulence (laughs) which is not a phrase you hear every day so i appreciate that (laughs) they didn't really have a lot to work with there wasn't anything spectacular that happened in the fact that they obviously like had no plans about writing for the future okay well what do you say about this like what happens in it uh uh alien farts i guess maybe (laughs) if there was some knowledge of like plot for future episodes you could have asked you didn't even have to say it you could have just like asked like what's gonna happen to the world if you know you know what i mean like you could you really could have just asked any question and it would have made you think like oh maybe this is going somewhere but no they just summarized the the pilot and it's boring so the the basic plot of this show is that matthew lillard he's like qualified expert he is uh a colonel in the i guess the air force and they yeah, they t- they tell him that he's going to some other base. When he gets there, he's handed secret mission instructions along with uh, a free coupon for coffee. P.S. Enclosed, please find a voucher for a specialty coffee of your choice at our new Caffeine Express beverage cart. Which I, I like. They bring that back. And then he learns that he's actually in charge of a secret project that has a a they think is an alien, and he's taking over for this extraterrestrial, and he is. It's basically a fish out of water story for him. He is the straight man of the show. He is continuously overwhelmed with everything that's going on around him, but he's also really eager. And every other character is constantly gaslighting. They haven't like, you know, obviously they've not cracked this alien in 40 years or however long anyone has been on this like secret base. Yeah, so that's the twist. That's the twist is they've got this alien. They've had him for 40 years and they've learned nothing. Absolutely. They're not even sure that he's an alien. And that's who Paul Rubens plays as the alien. He manipulates people into uh, going crazy. And he just plays on their insecurities. And I think that's part of it is like everybody on the base has kind of been driven crazy by the alien. I, I feel like it could have been like illustrated a little bit better because right when Matthew Lillard gets there, essentially the alien dies. Dr. Lynn, meet your new team leader, Colonel Stephen Isaac. It's dead. What? I, I was monitoring its vitals an hour ago, and and and. Wait, wait. Dead, you say? It's gone, General. This is a joke, right? And everybody is so excited to be let loose from this terrible project that they've all had to endure for 40 years or whatever. That hatred towards Matthew Lillard for reviving the alien could have been spelt out a little bit better. Because everybody's just kind of neutral. Like when he gets there, it's a huge, insane thing that an alien like lives on this base and everyone's kind of like, meh about it. But they could at least be like, yeah, dude, like we got a fucking alien. Like no one wants to interact with Matthew Lillard. They're all just super (laughs) jaded. 
And I feel like maybe there should be like a little bit more emotion or stuff going on. Yeah, the only person who's stoked is the guy who's getting brutally abused by the general, his like little lackey. <laughs> little toady. Okay, so let's go through, let's kind of go through what happens here. So Steve-O arrives, he meets the general, okay? So the general that was played by uh, Bruce McGill, a uh, terrible Jack from MacGyver. When we meet him, he's in a makeshift boxing ring made out of road barrels and caution tape. And he's with a, a little subordinate lackey and he's just beating the shit out of it. And I wasn't sure if the little guy was letting him beat him up or if the general is actually just this old, tough son of a bitch. I think a bit of both. Yeah, a little bit of both. Yeah. Because he's a private. Like his name's Private Sims. He's not really high ranking he pretty much has to do whatever they tell him to and then with the general there's the running joke he refuses to believe that the alien is in fact an alien and refers to it as different ethnicities this visitor is it from another planet maybe or is it some kind of chinese person which at first is really cringy but it to me it has this tinge of absurdity to it it did but the first one was ultra cringy. Like I actually physically cringed at it and it, it could have been done in a different way. I don't know. Like maybe he mumbles some synonyms for foreigner under his breath instead of actually saying names of countries. Yeah. Italian. Or Albanian or anything. That was just a little intense and it kind of like sucked the humor out of it. So the first one, he calls him some kind of Chinese person in front of Sims, who is Asian American. Yes. And <laughs> grinning like an Grinning. <laughs> Grinning ear to ear. <laughs> and yeah. then the next time, it's a little European fellow. I think Burmese at one point. My little Eskimo buddy. That's offensive. <laughs> On several levels. <laughs> and then he just calls him the freak. Yeah. Um, I like at one point where Matthew Lillard uh, refers to the alien as a Mexican, and they're like, you can't say that. <laughs> that was the part in the joke where it was kind of funny. Like, you're not allowed to, but everybody else can. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's an example of the kind of gaslighting that goes on where he like tries to join in with whatever they're joking about and they're like, what the fuck is wrong with you? At first, they go to meet the alien and they think it's dead and everybody is cheering and rejoicing. Well, they're cheering and rejoicing because they get to finally go home and not have to deal with this bullshit anymore. They just all been there the entire 40 years. It was like the last day of high school where everyone's just throwing their <laughs> backpacks in the air and just gets to go home. <laughs> Steve-O insists on seeing the creature before he leaves. He's the only one that's bummed. And you know, the general's like, okay, sure. And then they take him in to see the corpse. And Steve-O is drinking. Why are you calling him Steve-O? It's just because like, he's Steve-O to me. I don't know. Like, I don't. <laughs> he is Colonel Stephen Isaac. So, yes. so Colonel Steve-O Isaac. <laughs> sure. He's drinking coffee, which is a callback to earlier when he had a coupon for a coffee so he went and got his coffee from the caffeine <laughs> cart yeah who's running that it's a uh, watto from episode one <laughs> my tricks gonna work on me only money we were robbed of that scene 20 minutes was not long enough so they open up the morgue box that the aliens in they don't show the alien and then i think he's kind of like flirting with the doctor a little bit he's trying to impress her or something just a little bit yeah he's also trying to impress her in maybe the most bird-brained way that you possibly could which is telling a woman uh that your mother made sure that you read books my mom always made sure that us boys were very well read well, that's that's very important for children it is 
books everywhere. You want to come to my room? Uh, I read a lot of books my mom picked out for and me. And he swings his arm around and accidentally spills the coffee on <laughs> the alien corpse, and it comes back to life. It works every time. Coffee just brought him back to life. Just spilling something hot on him, I guess, was good enough. I can say the same for myself. <laughs> He spills some coffee on me and I'll come back. So then the next scene is him sitting with the alien in the box talking. And this is the first time we get to see Pee-wee as the alien. And he is eating caviar and drinking vodka through a straw. Like, what's the budget on that? It's $300 an ounce, I think, for caviar. <laughs> is that really caviar in the straight vodka? Me, I'd be sick for weeks, but you, you know, different strokes of different species. Yeah, I like the idea of him being like, what are the two most decadent things I could possibly ask him for? Caviar and vodka. He's told them this is all he can eat so that <laughs> he has to have something that's really expensive. I love that he maybe did a lot of research about the earth. And then was like, okay, I'll go visit and just be obnoxious. Or they've allowed him to watch television. And he's learned all of this by watching reality TV. He's actually just Russian. <laughs> he just watched a lot of Russian television and was like, this is it. Maybe his background is that he was doing research and trying to find a place he could go and just like live really easily. And people would take care of him for the rest of his life and he wouldn't have to worry about anything. And he... He's probably a dick on his home planet. And they were like, just get out of here, bro. And he's like, Earth, the biggest assholes ever. They'll totally be into it. Matthew Lillard actually says that at one point. He's like, you're a jerk, and you're probably a jerk on your home planet, and that's why you're here. And I was like, damn. But yeah, absolutely. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that, he pretends to cry. That was so funny. Oh, come on, don't cry. <laughs> oh, come on. You don't know what it's like. Just so he just acts like such a snot. It really like I, I can only see the alien as Pee-wee. It's a dulled down version of Pee-wee, but it's still there. Yeah. He starts to cry because Matthew Lillard says he's a jerk, which is absolutely true. And then immediately when he apologizes, he just turns around and the emotion is gone. He goes, "Okay, okay," and you know, <laughs> like he was never upset. It's just hilarious. When Steve-O first meets the alien, the alien gets him to let down his guard, and this was on Steve-O. He starts saying that Dr. Lin is a... Uh, a real hot number. Like, he's like, you know... Like, bro down with him? Buddy, buddy with the alien. It's like, dude, this is an alien. Like, I don't know why you would talk to him. Like, he would understand what you're talking about. Like, he's potentially a being from another planet or galaxy, and the first thing that you're going to talk about is like, man, that chick's hot. Like, really? I mean, I know he didn't bring it up, but he definitely went along with it, like, like with no thought involved. And I mean, that could have worked comically, but I just, it fell a little flat for me. It parlays itself into a dick joke that just never ends, <laughs> and everyone is disgusted <laughs> by this dick joke. Including myself. <laughs> Yeah, no, it's, it's funny, though, because he does get written up for it later, and he has to, like, put himself on probation for getting duped into talking about his dick, essentially. I feel like Lillard, or I'm sorry, Steve-O, falls into the same camp as MacGyver <laughs> in the sense that he's approaching male relationships completely in the wrong way. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's it's the wrong sense of vulnerability, and therapy's the only cure for these guys, <laughs> honestly. I think that's the takeaway for this pilot. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
Then Jane Lynch comes in and the, the alien tells her everything that Matthew Lillard's been saying, but he spins it around. He says that... Oh, the colonel also informed me he is endowed. Huh? Okay, we need to stop there. Generously endowed. Oh, okay. Well, thanks for that. No, wait, 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 wait a second. More information than I need. Uh, but he was talking about his scholarship. Even when Jane tells the general in the food line, like the moment she says like large and demo, he's like, oh, gross. No, it's not <laughs> like nobody wants to hear about Steve-O's big dick. <laughs> <laughs> I liked how Jane Lynch through that whole scene though was just like, stop it, stop it. I'm asking you to stop. This is inappropriate. Like, please stop. And like, he just doesn't. He's because he's trying to explain his way out of it and just making it worse. Take note. Just stop talking, right? <laughs> yeah, just stop. If someone's like, you need to just stop, then just stop. Just, just One it. of the running jokes on the show is the alarms. There's always alarms going off I and nobody knows cute. what like alarm that. is for what. Which alarm is that, buddy? I believe it's a bombing run from Nellis, sir. No, 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 no. The bombing alarm is more of a wow, wow. Yeah, it's like south wind, deadly gas. During his introduction, Jane Lynch mentions that they had done nuclear testing like right over the hill. And if the wind is blowing from the southwest, go inside or close your windows. Also, the pregnant dog aspect, like the sign is very prevalent in one scene when he like first leaves the alien where it's like like hazard warning for yeah. like unwanted pregnancy or so he impregnates a male dog yeah allegedly we don't want to get sued there's a scene um uh, well actually that's after he touches a spaceship man that was the worst scene for me um after he touches a spaceship and the whole like comical I touched a spaceship and got blowed up and now I talk funny, like made me want to punch the TV. <laughs> that joke went on way too long. It was not funny. It was cringy. It was so bad. It's a giant gold spaceship. It's in a hangar and it's like hovering in midair, not unlike Flight of the Navigator. They start playing Thus Spake Sarthustra Sarah music Thuska. from 2001. But it's like a funky remix. Yes, the disco version. <laughs> oh, it was very funky. Yes. And like, I wanted it to be good. And I'm like, why do I hate this? He goes up to it and he touches and he gets shocked and slammed into the wall and paralyzed, partially paralyzed. That's what goes on way too long is him trying to talk with his face paralyzed. Sir, I touched that spaceship. You what? I touched that. Yeah, he has a stroke. It is like playing into having a mental disability or a brain injury or something for like a very long period of time yeah the general and jane lynch walk in and are trying to tell him that he's been put on probation and oh i guess we should put a sign up that says don't touch the ship they're very used to they keep it saying, don't worry about it. it goes away in a minute he's like yeah but my face they're like yeah it's fine it's fine he's like yeah, but, but i can't talk they're like it's fine give it an hour you're freaking out then man he's in like the bathroom with some of the other doctors they're like checking him out and telling him that he's going to be fine. And that is the point where they reveal that there's just, they don't know shit about the alien. It's been 40 years and they can't figure out a single damn thing. And that's, what's kind of frustrating. I mean, obviously it's frustrating for them and that's like their, their problem, but like, really, really, you don't know anything about the alien. <laughs> that was just like super unbelievable. They never thought to ask. Professor before. Allen, why don't you tell the Colonel about the spacecraft? Well, we are weeks, if not days, away from locating the door. You know, I think it's important to point out, this is only 22 minutes long. I think it's one of the shortest things we've watched on this podcast so far. Definitely. 
That's because things like knee-high PI seems like they went on for five days. <laughs> I'll tell you what's so great about being a private dick. Broads, broads, and oh yeah, more broads. Ugh. Ugh. Gross. Three times was enough. That was too many. I, yeah, I watched that probably ten times. They really crammed a lot into this, um, and Pee Wee is in about a fourth of it. So he has a little over five minutes. You get a generous amount of Pee Wee, I guess. A generous dose. <laughs> Did leave me wanting more, and I guess that's good for a pilot, but I really, really wanted to see where it was going, like what his motivation was, like was he just kicked off of his home planet because he's such a fucking dickbag? Furthermore, he's pretty much treated like a prisoner on this planet. <laughs> um, he's literally like in like a prisoner's like orange jumpsuit. He doesn't have mobility to do whatever he wants and go wherever he wants. He still manages to fuck shit up and fuck with the staff. But like, ultimately, isn't that a bad time? Or is this his vacation? This is definitely like a Geneva Convention violation for sure. <laughs> yeah. He apologizes to steve-o at one point and gives him a little rock this is a recrystallized metamorphic rock symbolizing collaboration and friendship it was a very beautiful moment and obviously <laughs> Pee-wee was being very sincere i was sure this was going to be a poop yeah they didn't explain it i guarantee that was poop joke it had to be although like had to be. there's no way it would have been that solid after that diet quite honestly <laughs> let this rock symbolize the collaboration we are forging here today and our friendship wow thank you you're welcome so steve takes this rock and he holds a conference and he tells them that he has come to terms with the alien they're friends now and the alien has given him a symbol of their friendship and when everybody sees that rock everybody panics three guys in hazmat suit run out and put the rock into a box and then just starts posing him down with chemicals. <laughs> Do you allow Matthew Lillard? I really like these three guys in hazmat suits. They're always in the background scrubbing things and rubbing things down. Are they the ones at the beginning, right? When yeah. At one point, they say, oh, that was a cockroach. Don't worry They're about like it. They're like bagging it carefully. I will point out real quick, I lived on several Air Force bases, and the uniforms are fairly accurate. I mean, they have the blues that they wear, but then they also have like the desert fatigue, which I don't know is standard like out in the deserts of the U.S., but definitely in the deserts of Saudi Arabia, that's what they would be wearing. <laughs> is this in Saudi Arabia? Do they ever give a location? He thinks he's on his way to Fort McAllister, which isn't a real army base that I could find. Yeah, not that you'd be aware of. <laughs> it's one of the secret ones they don't tell you about. No, it's like outside of Nevada. It's in Nevada, yeah. But do they They do explicitly say it's in Nevada. I must have missed it. It's somewhere in Nevada. Yeah, I think that it says that at the intro. So the alien convinced Steve-O's predecessor that uh, Cal can tell the future. And we actually see him being drug dragged out and he's screaming that he needs to get to Denver to buy like Yeah. I think he said Vegas. Like I think that he wanted to go to he a He says the forty niners are a lot, which give me one second here. Let me pull up the two thousand seven San Francisco forty niners season. So two thousand seven, the San Francisco forty niners went five and eleven, which is very bad. So them being a lock would have been something to, to fucking bet on. Maybe the cow did know what he's talking about. 
Like that octopus. He like accurately predicts the results of soccer games and shit. Very strange. Nostra octopus. Nostra octopus. Well, you just count the hits and forget the misses. If, like he gets it wrong, then nobody says anything. But if he gets it right, then it's all in the news. If he gets it wrong, he gets shot in the head in front of Taurus. <laughs> so like, he has to get it right. Well, luckily octopi are uh, impervious to bullets. You can't kill them. Oh. They're like possibly actually aliens, which is kind of funny. The alien, I don't even think they, they give him a name. He's not even the alien. He's just the visitor, right? At one point they call him ECA 65-3. That's what it is. <laughs> and yeah, but they don't really refer to him too much. I'm looking at the IMDB and they've got Paul Rubens listed as the alien. Wait, who wrote that though? Let's call him out right now. Joseph 2364 on imdb.com busted you're fucking full of shit you are on fucking notice i mean the fact that anyone took the time to put this on imdb like i guess good job someone did it he was the expert on this and now we are the expert on this <laughs> move over people are coming to this podcast so they don't ever have to watch it so you can listen to like 40 minutes about it instead of just watching 20 minutes of it yeah absolutely <laughs> Hmm, that's wise. I, I do want to comment on the music in this because it's kind of all over the place. So at the beginning, when they show Area 57, the title, it's like dun 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 dun. dun. It's very serious, very foreboding, like exciting music. But it's almost like Tim Burton, like uh, type serious music. Because it's silly and weird. It is silly. I didn't know if I was just being too hard on it, but it just did not fit at all. Not even from the point of view of Devo. I really feel like they were trying to invoke the Men in Black score. Mm -hmm. And then when everybody's leaving, when they they think they're evacuating because they think the alien is dead, they're playing um, the song Brazil. From the film Brazil. Is it? Yeah, it's in in the movie Brazil. It's from before then i think it was an album from the early 80s that has that song but i, I think that song might be even older maybe it's like they're trying to do a bunch of homage like whoever was on the production team of this or writing this or figuring out the score the guy that directed this also directed galaxy quest i've never seen galaxy quest oh you're cheating yourself out of a delightful evening he also directed bill and ted face the music excellent yeah, I saw that. I like that reboot. I I actually mentioned Pee Wee when I saw that reboot. I was like, it flows in a way that will be appeasing to like old school fans. Enough nods and like whistles and and winks to it. It's fine, but it's not as good as the second Bill and Ted movie because they do something completely different, and nobody is brave enough to do reboots like that and like we were saying earlier the pb's big holiday is just basically a rehashing of pb's big adventure it's just another road trip yeah they're like give the people what they want the pb that they love that's one reason why i'm opposed to them in the first place let's not reboot things let's just make new things yeah just make your own fucking ip we watched blade runner 2049 or whatever the number is at the end of it uh recently I was like, this is an enjoyable movie, but why is it Blade Runner? Why can't it just be its own damn thing? It's true. How many more people are you getting in the theater making a equal to a 40-year-old blob? Yeah, it was not necessary. I think that's always the hedging of the bet. Like, they don't even care about the content. Will it make money? It's always better to have a known IP than to start from fresh because you've got a built-in fan base. But if you don't understand that IP and you don't understand that fan base, it's a waste of time. 
that's the main problem with all the new Star Trek. It's like they don't understand that Star Trek is supposed to be hopeful. Yeah. A nightmare land where people die in violent, horrible ways and they're drug addicts. And no, that's, have you ever seen an episode of Star Trek? It's from the point of view of a fan of an IP that fundamentally did not understand it or just took away the wrong message. Oh, I don't think they were fans at all. I think they actively did not like Star Trek and tried to change it into something else. How can we make (laughs) Star Trek more like Star Wars? Because Star Wars makes slightly more money than Star Trek. I'm just going to stick to fan fiction from here on out, guys. I don't know. I'm not going to get into my Star Trek rant. In the vein of, like, rebooting things, <laughs> is Paul Rubens too old to play Pee Wee? I thought he was, but he still managed in that last Netflix movie to look young still. Yeah, and he's almost 70. So I wanted to pitch this. I think that Pee Wee should do what Bozo did and franchise. And so every city has like their own peewee who can come to birthday parties and can have his own local cable access show. I would be way into running a peewee school (laughs) and holding a peewee lookalike contest. Peewee Academy. I know you are, but what am I? 101. I passed it with flying colors. You know, like peewee could be more than just one person. He could be an idea, a concept. If they learn the mannerisms and the jokes and everything, other people could do their own spin on peewee. I feel like this new generation, like, their next Pee-wee is, like, I don't know, Jake Paul or, like, that's their idea of, of a modern clown is just, like, a, a TikTok guy or, like, a YouTuber. We don't really have that kind of character anymore. Yeah, the monoculture is dead and not coming back. Just a high-concept character that you can put in any situation, like Austin Powers <laughs> Or, um, I was thinking about going into drag, and I feel like I can create a character and just be that character all the time. And maybe that's it. Maybe like The Last Frontier is live show drag performance. So, like, a drag character could be more than just a person. Um, it's like a yeah, well, I guess it's like the uh, vaudeville aspect of it, like, sort of the entertainment of be because I think like the reason why Pee Wee doing a Broadway show is brilliant because it is taking something that's fundamentally like a set piece and putting it in front of an mm-hmm. audience would translate artistically in, in so many like cool ways. I think it's blatantly a spin on like Howdy Doody or Captain Kangaroo where you had like this guy who had a, a crazy house and lots of, you know, puppet characters that would come and visit. And it was intentionally supposed to be cheesy and low because they just didn't have the money. You know, it's those local TV shows that they were trying to parody, I think, or at least be inspired. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, that's like the charm of it, right? Like with these sort of caricatures or like, I don't know, even think about like maybe like the Charlie Chaplin types or whoever came after that. Definitely. The Charlie Chaplin, like the tramp. Yeah. He's always the tramp. Yeah. Like, and he doesn't technically always play it, but like, it's such a like profound character. It's distinguishable. Like, it has. Yeah. You you just have to see this, the cane in his hat and the shoes, and you know, it's Charlie Chaplin. Yeah. And we don't have high concept characters like that. I think, like, maybe the closest thing I could think of would be like Larry the Cable Guy. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Cause it's not like a Andy Kaufman style of like a anti comedy. Yeah, just, like, being that character, for better or for worse, and then just, like, locking it in. Maybe Nathan for you? I don't know. When he was doing it, he only gave interviews as Pee-wee, and he was always billed as Pee-wee himself in all the movies. So he, like, adopted the persona of Pee-wee. I mean, I'm into it. I feel like everyone should just be their character and just really commit to it. I've got it. Medea. Lord, Hammers, how you doing? Oh, 
was he in Flight of the Navigators? He was billed as what? He's billed as Paul Mall. Oh, that's right. <laughs> like the oh. cigarettes? Yeah, it was spelled that way. Yeah. It was spelled P-A-U-L-M-A-L-L. <laughs> and he also did the voice of a robot at Star Tours at, at oh. Disneyland. And it was almost the same character, Rex, who's like the robot pilot of the spaceship. So I imagine that's how he got the role. They had already got him doing Flight of the Navigator. His name is Max. Yeah, he's the Trimaxian ship, but they call him Max for short. Flight of the Navigator. I have not seen that in a long time. I feel like I watched it when I was like 25, but I was probably out of my fucking mind. I mean, is it an 80s movie? Yeah. 1980s. Yeah. It is an excellent I loved it when I was a kid. Um, Stuart and I revisited it within the last year, and it was really funny and ridiculous. But he absolutely is Pee-wee. But it's just his voice. He is a spaceship. <laughs> so if you can imagine Pee-wee as a spaceship. So he's like, how? Yes. <laughs> but but a childish and silly. Okay. He's like this arm. You see this ball with glowing energy or whatever and that's his eye and then he is connected to the ceiling and he like roams around the ship but he's on a track so he goes from the ceiling to the floor and around and it's a really interesting plot so this (laughs) kid named david he is like going home one night and he falls in a ravine and knocks himself out and when he, he wakes up and he goes home and different people are living there turns out he disappeared for like 10 years and so like everyone else on earth has aged except for him his family has moved on after the loss of this child and it's like kind of heavy it's super traumatic like they all think he's dead and he's like looks exactly like he did when he disappeared wearing the same clothes and everything and like nasa gets involved and it turns out nasa also has found this like silver futuristic ship and the ship starts calling to david david goes and gets inside the ship they fly all over the place it's great but Spoiler alert, he makes it home. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, great. Now I can't watch this movie. But yeah, Flight of the Navigator is really, really good. I think that's like the best era of Disney movies. It's like when they think they were a little bit dark in the in the 80s. A great era of uh, fish out of water sci-fi movies like that and uh, The Last Starfighter. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That That's a great double feature. I guess let's wrap up this with the last scene. Steve-O goes out to the general who's playing golf in the desert and his subordinate private guy is catching him with a basket. That's impressive, actually. His assistant is so positive and ready to just take abuse from the general. Yeah, that guy literally plays that character in everything. His name is Kelvin Yu. If you've ever smoked weed, you've probably (laughs) watched and noticed him in Grandma's Boy. Oh. He plays, like, basically the same character. Joe's favorite movie. I love Grandma's Boy. It's a fucking amazing movie. He plays just, like, overly positive guy that just cannot stop fucking grinning like an idiot. (laughs) He plays basically me. <laughs> so anyway, he's playing golf and he's hitting balls and his subordinate is catching them with a the bucket and Matthew Lillard uh Stevo comes out and what happened? This is just after the scene where he gets sprayed for having <laughs> quote unquote the blue rock, which is probably alien poop. So he comes out having his clothes uh just taken away from him by the hazmat guys, is now in his underwear and a robe, kind of disheveled from all the past experiences of this day. So he's already been blown up by the spaceship. Uh, He's handled alien poop, probably. He's been humiliated. Um, This all happens over the course of one day. 
Yeah. Is because he actually says that at that point. I'll be honest with you, sir. I'm kind of having a real lousy day. And then that James <laughs> Blunt song plays. <laughs> Cars start raining from the sky. I think it's just one. A Jeep falls out of the sky. They're standing. And then he lands a basketball shoot. That's that CGI that, like, that made me actually physically cringe as well. The basketball just bounces super high and then, like, goes all over the place. And you're like, ugh. That's... It really did not fit the tone of the rest of the show. No, yeah, you're right. It did feel out of place. Like, I don't get it because that's the closing image is like him making that shot. And is it like the end? My other question about this scene that was really frustrating was up until this point, we've only seen the alien in that hermetically sealed box. And now he's just walking around. What are the rules? There's no right? rules. Like, okay, if homeboy alien can just drop vehicles on people, I feel like that could potentially be harmful to someone, maybe. So maybe don't let him outside to, like, do whatever he wants. See, again, this is like, there's, like, no set, like, boundaries. If I was constantly worried that a car would drop on me, I definitely would lose my mind. In one of the first scenes with the alien, there's the glass doors that shut when he farts and stuff. And then the rest of the movie, he's just kind of, like, hanging out and they have plastic flaps. Okay, so is he or is he not, like, in his own bubble? Because then he's outside playing b-ball. Like, what? What? Mm-hmm. Everything needed to be, like, just developed a little bit more for, for it to make sense in its own world. Things can be crazy and not make sense as long as it has its own laws that it abides. So, yeah, that's basically how it ends is the aliens playing basketball. You know, all this stuff is set up, so it's pretty unsatisfying, I guess, to watch as, uh, you know, just something standalone that, you know, will never go anywhere. But again, it is a pilot. I want more. Hashtag bring back Area 57. <laughs> change.org Email NBC at NBC.com. <laughs> Some page is going to just like have an auto reply on that. There isn't really a whole lot of information about this out there that I could find other than just it being announced in Variety that it wasn't going to be picked up. There, I don't know what the story is behind why it wasn't picked up or what was picked up in its place. Oh, maybe we should do a follow-up episode and then we'll send an email to Lillard. Be like, yo, what happened to this? Steve-o. Or or how about this? Anybody that's listening, if you want to do some dig into this and send us an email, we'll follow up on it in a future episode when we we tie up loose ends. But are we all in agreement that we didn't hate it? No. Oh, yeah. I would say I'm glad that it didn't happen because I really like the Pee Wee revival. And I'm pretty sure if this had happened, he wouldn't have had time to do Pee Wee. Or I, f- I feel like it was something that, you know, maybe he was like, well, it's not working out. So I guess I can always do the Pee Wee thing now. I don't think you could pry Paul Rubens away from Pee Wee. I think that he would have found a way to make it work. I do feel if this was picked up, it would have not lasted more than like two or three seasons. Like maybe max him and the alien would have fucked too early and it would have just been like the end of Frasier <laughs> and it would have been over. So, okay, that's a good one. Episode two of Area 57. What do we want to see? Steve-O gets pregnant. That'd be amazing because then we'd have to address abortion <laughs> on national TV. Yeah, on a very special Area 57, Matthew Lillard struggles with a difficult choice. <laughs> we could get another Wee PSA message where he explains birth control. As the alien. <laughs> Just like the one that he did on crack. This is crack. Rock cocaine. It isn't glamorous or cool or kid stuff. It's the most addictive kind of cocaine and it can kill you. Was it part of his sentence was doing this as like a... You know, I don't know. 
He didn't get busted with crack. No, 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 no. He was busted jacking off in a porno theater, which what the fuck else are you going to do in a porno theater? Well, stop having porno theaters if you don't want people so, to okay, fucking So, okay, so let's address off. this here. He was not the only one arrested that night. There were a lot of dudes in the porno theater jacking off. And also, uh, detectives just like to go into porno theaters to arrest people for doing that, just to fuck with them. Yeah, because they're all fucking Protestant freaks. Quota time. This is 1992. There's no internet. This is kind of what people do. And honestly, I don't think he did anything wrong. No. I think he was minding his own business in a place where you go to do that. Now, the 2005 case, there might be something bad there. I I will address that. Yeah. I don't think there was something bad there either. So what that was, was Paul Rubens is a hoarder. He buys stuff all the time. And he had bought a lot of thousands of photographs. And I think they were actually men's physique magazines. Yeah, old time gay porno. His house was raided and they searched through it and found a couple of questionable images that he probably didn't even know were in there because we're talking thousands and thousands of magazines that he hadn't even been through. And the only complaint was they couldn't verify the person's age in the photos. Yeah. It was a setup from beginning to end. Yeah. What was that about? Why did they raid his house in 2005? Or whatever Just it was. to fuck with him. Who dropped the dime on Huey? <laughs> he was filming a music video with Elton John. The police were searching his house. They had been acting on a tip from a witness and another pornography case against another actor. It's Jeffrey Jones. He had 70,000 items of kitsch memorabilia. And it was just all kinds of stuff. A lot of it was like really grainy photographs. So I feel like they got a search warrant. They went and searched his house. I mean, let's face it. Paul Rubens is pretty eccentric. Mm-hmm. They went into his house trying to find something they could get him on, and they did. God knows what his house looks like. It's probably stacked to the ceiling with boxes <laughs> in every room. Yeah. I mean, the stuff he collects is just, like, so amazing. Yeah. Most of the props from Pee-wee's Big Adventure were actually Paul Rubens stuff. Really? So, yeah, like, he loves kitsch stuff. And, like, Pee-wee's Playhouse, like, yeah. some of the stuff that was designed by him or came from his collection or whatever. And definitely, I do remember it was from Big Adventure, at yeah. least had his wow. stuff because it like it like they just couldn't find stuff kitsch enough so he's like i got this so he definitely must have an amazing collection the story about the his front yard in front of the house was that it didn't look kitschy enough so they just called warner brothers and they're like yeah just bring a bunch of junk bring all the stuff and they're like what do you want and they're like all of a it tractor trailer shows up <laughs> just loaded down with like animals and yeah just put it all in the yard so yeah but the stuff inside of the house and Wee's big adventure yeah that was all his so he had to plea to a lesser charge and be and like register as a sex offender for 10 years free Wee, even though he it's free. It's all a setup. It's all bullshit. Don't believe anything you read on the internet. Oh, that sounds. <laughs> yeah, it's like they were trying to deflect attention away from the broader scope of the Jeffrey Jones shit, probably. Jeffrey Jones is the principal from Ferris Bueller. Yes. And he is guilty as fuck. <laughs> he has a pervert look to him, honestly. I've always he does. Thought. He has that like long, pointy pervert <laughs> nose. The pervert's mystique. It's like the Innsmouth look, but classic pervert. <laughs> Any aspect of the show that we didn't cover? No, like all I have in my mind is like the speculative, like what the show could have been. I know how many adventures taking the alien out to like Sam's Club they could have had together. It's true. 
there's um, so many ways that it could have been better. It had some good bones. The only parts that I did not like, I did not like Matthew Lillard bro out with the alien where he just starts saying sexist stuff for no reason. Like that was not in line with his character up until that point. Like it seemed really forced and pointless and gross. And I did not like the basketball at the end. Mm. Other than that, like I thought this writing was solid and the concept was solid. No, no. The joke where he touches the spaceship and his face is messed up that I could not stand that I would not be able to withstand watching that again it was stupid Matthew Lillard just isn't very good at physical comedy I think (laughs) that's a bummer too isn't that basically his whole role (laughs) in Scream (laughs) 